Will you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This entire Christmas season has found us week after week in the book of Luke to conclude this Christmas season here at Beacon Light. We're going to look at Matthew's account of uh, the birth of Jesus. While you're there in Matthew chapter 2, starting in uh, verse number 1, I'm going to turn to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah, I feel really rightly so, uh, by many is called the fifth gospel. It's incredible When you read the book of Isaiah, especially if you read it over and over again, how many allusions, A-L-L-U-S-I-O-N-S, to uh, Jesus Christ you see in that incredible book of prophecy by that great prophet Isaiah. I'm going to start there. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 7. The heading in our ESV Bible calls it, The Future Glory of Israel. Hear now the word of the living God. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth, they shall come up with acceptance on my altar. And I will beautify my beautiful house. And I will beautify my beautiful house. Turning to the New Testament reading, Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, the visit of the wise men or the magi. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So far, God's reading, or the reading from God's holy word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, these words are your words. And we pray this morning that you will use your messenger to proclaim your words. Let the messenger's words this morning, your servant, Lord, preach only what is true uh, in your sight. We pray that your spirit now will lead us into all truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of this message is The Light of the Nations. The Shepherd King. I want to, this morning, draw your attention before I begin this message to one verse. Would you look in your Bible again? Would you look at verse number 21? Chapter 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means God saves. For he will save his people from their sins. This morning, brothers and sisters, I want us to once again look briefly at Jesus, whose name means God saves, as the light of the world who saves us from our sin. But then secondly, more fully, to look at Jesus as a king whose brightness draws all kings and all nations to himself. First of all, let's look at Jesus. Let's look briefly at Jesus as a savior who saves us from our sin. Soon, lights will be off the Christmas trees, they'll be off the street posts, and the house tops, and the house frames. Soon the lively parties will be over, and we will be entering into what many call the bleak midwinter. January and February, with overcast gray skies today is no exception. Sun doesn't shine, it's cold, people struggle a bit with depression, seasonal disorders. And many, many who do not yet call upon the Lord, have not known him as Lord and Savior, they feel as the season passes them that they missed it. Once again, they have missed it. They tried to capture the elusive light and whatever it all means, and to bring it into their heart and keep it there. It's kind of interesting to see around the neighborhood, our neighborhood, where my wife and I live, 
Even in February, you'll still see people with their Christmas lights up. Probably a reluctance in the middle of the bleak midwinter to put the lights away. Restless eyes will roam to and fro, looking for the next stimulating event to fill the void. Tonight will be one of those, New Year's Eve. In another month will come another one to fill the void. Super Bowl. Compulsively, addictively, the multitudes, increasingly, will be turning to their iPhones, nonstop to their iPads, trying their best to mask the hole in their heart, to be distracted from the void, from the empty feeling that still haunts them. It haunts them because without Jesus, there is no vitality in the soul. There is no illumination. There is no light. Why? Because the Lord Jesus is that light. Our creator Jesus is that light. Our sustainer Jesus is that light. Our King Jesus is that light. He is the light who lights up the entire world. But it's also him, Jesus, who shines in the believing human heart. The Bible says in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. (laughs) And the darkness cannot overcome it. The Bible says this about Jesus. He's the true light. Not all the Christmas lights. He's the true light that gives light to every man, to every woman. And he was coming into the world. That's what Christmas was all about. That's what we, you know, our brother Bob, he'd been passing out T-shirts. This is the reason for the season. (laughs) It was the light. The light came into the world to shine in the darkness in the darkness all around us, but also in the darkness in our heart, and to bring life and light into human hearts. That's Christmas. And when the restless, roaming eyes fix on him, they believe into his name, they call upon Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the human heart, the human soul, the human being experiences forgiveness of sins. The darkness of sin is dispelled, and it's replaced by life, eternal life, Because Jesus is that life. Jesus is eternal life. Jesus indwells. He inhabits the believing human heart. Replacing the anxious, aching emptiness that comes without his presence. He replaces it with his presence. And he chases away the cold and the darkness with the warmth of his light and his love. I speak this morning of what I know. What I told you this morning is true. The Bible says so, but I speak to you now as one who has experienced it. Because until I was 27 years old, I knew what that darkness was in the soul. I knew that emptiness in my heart. Until one day there was a man brave enough to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, by his grace, enabled me to believe that message. 
and the light flooded my soul. The presence of Jesus flooded my heart, and I've never been the same since. Neither have you. Once we were darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. We have been called saints in the Lord to walk as children of light. Christians, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't get distracted. Second, more fully, Jesus came to this world as a king whose brightness draws all kings, all nations to himself. Now, when I talk this way, or when we talk this way, that Jesus Christ came as the king, we're still talking about Jesus Christ as a savior. But now he saves us not just from our sins. Jesus has come to save us from the realm, from the domain of darkness. And to bring us in to his kingdom. That's what it says in scripture. God has rescued us from the domain of darkness, from the realm of darkness that's all around us. This messed up, wicked, chaotic, immoral value system over which Satan is Lord. And he brings us, he transfers us, God transfers us into the kingdom, into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians chapter 1. The Apostle Peter put it this way. You and I have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's beautiful. As we think of Jesus as king this morning, we can't escape it. That's what Matthew is doing here. Drawing our attention to Jesus as king, I want to first of all look at the attributes of this king, and then secondly, at the attributes of this king's kingdom. First of all, the attributes of this king, Jesus. Wise men have come from the east. In other words, they've come from the nations. They're bringing gifts, costly gifts, gifts that are surely indicative of their land from where they come. But these gifts are also surely prophetic signs as to the attributes of the king, characteristics of the king. These gifts point to Jesus as to who he is. Gold in the ancient world was a sign of royalty, kingship. Frankincense, a sign of divinity, deity, of God. Frankincense was used in worshiping deity. Myrrh, a sign of suffering, of death, of humanity. We remember that Jesus Christ, while he was hanging on the cross for us, for our sins, was offered wine mixed with myrrh to alleviate the suffering. Myrrh was used in embalming dead bodies. Myrrh. We see the humble humanity expressed with this precious gift. King, God, human. This King Jesus is worthy of worship. Did you notice that they bypassed Herod in worship? They didn't worship King Herod. They don't worship Caesar and all that Rome represents. They're worshiping Jesus. 
and they're bending the knee to Jesus, and they're giving him their best. There's another attribute that we can't miss this morning. Don't miss this. Jesus is a shepherd king. That's the kind of king he is. I am so glad that Jesus Christ is a shepherd king. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The shepherd king. Now this king, Jesus, he's one who reigns with absolute power and authority. That's what it says in Psalm number 2, speaking of Jesus. Why do the nations rage in vain? God says, I have set my king on Zion. Kiss the son, God says. Kiss the son, his son, the king. Lest he be angry and you perish in the way. He rules with absolute power and authority. Yet, Jesus reigns in perfect love and devoted, loyal intimacy with those that are part of his kingdom, those who are his brothers and sisters in him. He is the shepherd king like David long ago. I want you to hold that thought, the shepherd king. It will come up in a moment. But Beacon Light, uh, we said it in our prayer time this morning, we've gone through a lot this past year. Uh, so a lot of churches. But we have. We even, you that are even here, assembled here, you're no stranger to hard times. You've got so many of you that are here right now, got challenging things going on in your own families, heartache, sicknesses in your own family. The Lord in his grace and mercy has held us together in Christ's love and we've loved one another. But the one that's held us together, Brandon spoke of it in the prayer time this morning, is the shepherd, the good shepherd. Psalm 23 says it so beautifully. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Haven't you been restored over and over again this year as you've gone through whatever you've gone through this year? And he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. One of my favorite portions in scripture is John chapter 10, the good shepherd. No matter what we go through, brothers and sisters, Jesus, he knows your name. And you know his voice and it comforts you. And no matter what comes at us, Jesus won't flee. Even the worst things we could ever face, the wolves when they come after us, Jesus won't flee. And he lays his life down for us. He goes before us and he lays his life down for us. And he never leaves us alone. And that for me, brothers and sisters, and for you is a comfort. The shepherd king. I spoke to you now a bit about the attributes of the king. We will then look... Uh, at the attributes of his kingdom. Jesus is the king of kings. 
He's the king of kings who ushers in the kingdom of kingdoms. That's what Matthew's gospel is all about. Thirty-something times that phrase is used in the book of Matthew alone. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. If you look at the very beginning, if you have your Bibles open, would you look at uh, chapter 3, verse 2? This is how John the Baptist begins his ministry, introducing Jesus. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is hand, is at hand. In chapter 4, Jesus begins his ministry, and here's what he says. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom is at hand. That's what the book of Matthew is about. Jesus is ushering in his kingdom. When we look at the book of Isaiah, the incredible book of Isaiah, and when we look at Revelation, we get glimpses of that kingdom, characteristics of this kingdom that Jesus, of which Jesus is the king. We see beauty, order, cleanliness, purity, and holiness. We see healing and comfort and compassion, no tears. We see truth and righteousness and justice. In Isaiah chapter 9, let me turn there. One verse. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. About Jesus. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts. We'll accomplish this. We'll do this. Isaiah chapter 11 says there will be peace in the kingdom. No more war. The lion will lay down with the calf, the wolf with the lamb. Justice and peace. I was driving around our neighborhood the other day and I saw this political sign that was out on Calhoun Street not far from Brother Cletus, across the street from him almost. And here's what it said. It was a political sign. It had stars all over it, and it said, Jesus, 2024. This kingdom, an aspect of this kingdom is love. This kingdom is surrounded with an atmosphere of love. The Lord's amazing love for us, our love for God, and his son Jesus, our love for one another here in this church, our love for one another, our love for our neighbor, our love for the Samaritan, people who are not like us. And when we live this way, brothers and sisters in Christ that are assembled here, when we live this way, there is a spiritual light that comes forth. Isaiah, incredibly, again, speaks to this. This is a challenge for us now. Being lights, kingdom light. Listen now. Is not, this is Isaiah 58, is not this the fast that I chose? To loose the bonds of wickedness and to undo the straps of the yoke and to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry 
I think of our food pantry. And even hungry pets, our pet food pantry. And to bring the homeless poor into your house, and when you see the naked, to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh and blood. See, you can serve people out in the neighborhood without abandoning your own family. In Christ, you can do both very well. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn. And your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. And the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom as the noonday. All this is so good. All this is so good. But we must not forget one more great characteristic of the kingdom of God. We must not forget where this message began, where the text began. The Magi, wise men from the east, have come to worship King Jesus. So what does that mean? It means that the nations have come. They're drawn to this good and perfect king. They're drawn to this glorious kingdom over which he rules. Isaiah 60, 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord shall rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations, you see? You see? And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. They're coming to Israel, whose Lord, the Lord of glory, has risen upon her. The nations, with all their radiance and glory, with the riches of their cultural beauty, will be united by faith to the person of Jesus Christ. In the person of Jesus Christ, Israel's Messiah. They will be enfolded into Israel. The house of Israel is told to open their tent cords wide. Isaiah chapter 54, verses 2 and 3. Isaiah says to the house of Israel, Open your tent cords wide. Because you will enfold, you will possess the nations. Wow. This is the final outcome. Revelation 21 points to it. The glory of the nations stream into the new Jerusalem with 12 gates. Each gate named after a tribe of Israel. The nations are welcomed into the kingdom of God, and the outcome is beautiful. It's beautiful. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your, your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. 
Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah and those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news. The praises of the Lord, all the flocks of Keter shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. And I will beautify my beautiful house. In the week, Jesus Christ, last week on earth prior to his going to the cross, he stood in the temple, which was located in Jerusalem, and he cast out the people that were abusing the temple. And he cried out with a loud voice, My house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Do you realize how offensive that was? Do you realize now why Simeon, 40 days after Jesus Christ was born, as he's cradling this boy in his arm and he's talking to Mary and Joseph, this child will cause the rising and the falling of many in Israel. It's because many in Israel could not accept that, that the nations would be coming into them and into their temple. A house of prayer. Isaiah said, but I will make my house beautiful. Israel is that house. And the nations are coming in to adorn it with their beauty. Do you see why Isaiah is the fifth gospel? <laughs> oh, Isaiah is the one that recorded that. My house will be a house of prayer for all nations. The arrival of the wise men coming to Jerusalem was a foretaste of what is to come. In our family room at our house, we have a Christmas tree every year. Fraser fir probably came from the Smokies. And white star above it, top. It's wrapped with red, orange, blue, green, and white bulbs that are shining. We don't do anything but colored bulbs anymore. I tried to do white bulbs one time out in the front of our house. I think I was starting to think I was a little bit more sophisticated, like Michigan Avenue downtown, and so all the bulbs were white in front. But my two little kids, when they saw it, they weren't having it. They said, oh, Dad, you can't do that. You gotta, you gotta put colored lights up there. So I did. We took down the white lights, put up the colored lights. You take the cap off of those uh, red and orange, blue, green and white bulbs, though. You take the cap off, the skin off, and what you have is a white light. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. You cut a black man, bleeds red. Cut a white man, red man, oriental, they bleed red. You cut the soul of a believing black man, believing white man, 
any color, man, woman, a believing one, and they have the same pure light of Jesus shining forth. Brothers and sisters, our church, Beacon Light, is nestled in the city of Gary, Indiana. I'll tell you a little story. It took place 30 years ago. 30-something years ago, I took two or three white kids from our ministry, the old firehouse. They were teenagers. And we went to the Genesis Center in downtown Gary. There was a brilliant speaker speaking there. He was an advisor and a chaplain in Washington, D.C. I won't speak his name. I respect who he is, who he was. He's passed away, but who he was. Very respected black man. And he came to address the city of Gary. The Genesis Center had a lot of people there. I think that we were the only white people there, the three of us, or four of us. I can't remember now. The man addressed the city of Gary. He was acknowledging the white flight that had taken place a long time ago. And uh, his challenge to the city was this, city of Gary, challenging the black folks to buy businesses, black-owned businesses, develop them, and then for the people of Gary to buy only from black-owned businesses. I'm sitting there, this white person, with these two teenagers, white. The man concluded his message after this social challenge with an amazingly powerful gospel presentation about Jesus Christ being the Savior and really making a call for those that were gathered, anyone who did not know the Lord Jesus, to come forth. Well, the the teenagers that I had were really moved, and they went forward among a lot of other people. And the speaker is praying with them for them to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. I was so grateful for that. But when we left there, my heart was troubled. As good as it was that they were saved, and I'm glad for that, praise God, I did not feel that message was consistent. It wasn't right. I said, no, it's not that way. This city, Gary, this region, it's not good that white would leave an area. I know it's a challenge. I'm not going to get into a big, complicated mess here. But it's not right that if you're going to fix things, it's black only. If a community like the region or the city of Gary, if it ever is to be what God would have it be, a city shining on a hill, which is really what the church is supposed to be, it's going to be together. It's all of us. White and black, Hispanic, Oriental, or Asian. It's time to bring this end-of-the-year message to a close. What can we take away from all of this? What can we learn from the wise men? What can we learn from Jesus, the king? Well, the king went away for a while, Jesus, but not before forming the church and giving her the responsibility of making disciples of all nations. Beacon light, we are no different.
We are no exception. The obedient church, like Jesus, must shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, which saves people from their sins. This is our responsibility. We must do so. But the church has been called by Jesus Christ himself. He said it, must shine like a city on a hill. He said, let your light so shine before men and women that they see your good deeds and they praise your Father in heaven. Good deeds. What is that? Put on display the attributes of the kingdom. God's kingdom. Beauty, purity, holiness, justice, righteousness, healing, comfort, compassion, peace, unity in Christ. And over all of that, put on love, which binds all of it together in perfect harmony. Beacon Light, we are small. Brandon, you are right. We are. We're like a little candle in the darkness. But we are a diverse church. We're made up of shepherds and wise men, of rich and poor. We're made up of all nations. And God has planted us in the city of Gary, Indiana, intentionally. Beacon Light, this is our glory. This is our glory. Did you ever think of it that this is a blessing? This is our blessing. We have a part to play, a contribution to make in this great narrative, this story that God Himself has authored. And it's unfolding upon the earth, it's being told upon the earth. We are small, brothers and sisters, but I can assure you that our footprint is greater than our foot. Our footprint, our footprint is greater than our foot. The king is returning. He will ask, he will demand an accounting. What did we do with the talents he gave us? The ending of Matthew's narrative, gospel, concludes with the arrival of the king who makes a determination of who enters into the kingdom. The king, if we have been obedient, And there's no way to be obedient unless you're alive in him by his grace. You're not bypassing grace by being obedient. True grace, true salvation will be marked by obedience. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Welcome, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom. But when he returns, Jesus, he will, re 
He will complete the work that he has begun. He will complete it. We call it the day of the Lord. The king will judge the world in righteousness. Will we have been found to be faithful? Let's stay faithful. Our challenge for 2024, we're thankful for 2023 that he's seen us through. Before I say these words, I want to open this challenge with this. Brothers and sisters, let's live in the presence of the Lord all the time. Stay in his presence. There's so much to distract these days. Live in his presence. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay in the word. Stay in prayer. It's probably being preached all over the world in pulpits right now. (laughs) Commit yourself to the word. Presence of the Lord. And then together, let us labor. Let's encourage one another to labor for the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Together, beacon light, let us work for our King Jesus and for his kingdom. And together, beacon light, let us pray for the return of our King. Let us pray for the return of our King. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, 2,000 years ago, you yourself said, I am coming soon. But to us that are gathered here, we're